Welcome to Five to Thrive, five strategies to equip and empower educators, parents, and students to thrive. And here are your hosts, Dr. Rhoda and Professor Marty. Welcome back. Have you ever had something heavy on your heart that you wanted to share with an individual to help that individual? Uh, in other words, maybe it was just really bothering you and you just were really concerned, oh, I'm not sure how they're going to take my feedback. It's out of love, but boy, uh, kind of worried they may bite my head off. Well, in, in today's episode, uh, Dr. Rhoda is going to share with us how to give feedback that is good feedback and also the feedbacks well received on the other end. Yeah, so we've all been in situations, maybe it was a professional setting, maybe it was a personal setting, and you wanted to give feedback and you just felt this wall go up. It's like, boy, that is not what I had intended. They didn't take it or they didn't take it well. There's been research on giving feedback and having it be accepted well. So we want to talk about that today. We give feedback for many different reasons. Uh, in a professional setting, we may need to give feedback as a supervisor and we're responsible for employees and something they're doing is not being effective. Or, and it's our job for them to understand this. Or maybe we have a colleague, we're not in a supervisor situation, they're like at the same level colleague, and they're doing something that's hurtful to you or to the team. Or maybe you're at home, or it's your spouse or your friend, and maybe they're doing something or saying something that's hurtful or annoying, and we want them to be aware of how that's impacting us. Maybe you have a teenager, and you wanna begin treating them more like an adult, and you wanna start having heart-to-heart -heart conversations about something that they're doing, um, that's not going really well, but you're not quite sure how to best do that. Well, we want to let people know in a way that's not demanding or authoritative or that comes across as we're being bossy or selfish or uncaring. And experts in psychology and communication have studied this. And they've determined that there's a four-step process that we can use that helps people listen to our feedback and take it in. Okay, so to put this in context, though, I, I'm curious... Uh, these experts, you know, people's lives uh, are, are in many different contexts here. My communication with my students is email. My communication with my, my, my family is face-to-face. -face. Uh, I still do use a cell phone to actually speak and not text people. Um, and so we've got a lot of different mediums going on here. Is this going to work for all of those? So according to the research, if we look at the content of what's being said, that's what's really important here, not necessarily the medium so much. So how do they do this? How do you figure this out? How do you figure out how to give good feedback and have people be more willing to take it? There's no guarantee they're going to take it, but they're more likely to take it with this. What they did was they asked a large group of people, both in their business settings and in their personal lives, to think of someone that's good at giving feedback. Like, who is someone that you think is good at giving feedback, and when they share things with you, you are willing to accept that? That's what they were asking. What they found, they, they then took those people who were told that they were, they were good, and they interviewed those people who were very highly regarded for their feedback, and they found some common denominators. So it turns out that there were four things that these folks did when they give feedback. If you want to be the person that can have a challenging conversation with people, and those people actually listen to you and receive what you're saying, here are the four things they came up with, okay? Step number one, they ask for permission. They ask for permission to have a, a conversation. So it may be something as simple as, may I have a conversation with you about something I've noticed? What this does is it accomplishes a, a couple of things. It lets the person know that you wanna speak with them, 
and you that, and that you want it to be a conversation. You want to talk back and forth. It gives them the option to say no. Maybe they're not in the mood. Maybe this just isn't a good time. Maybe they don't have time right now. You're getting their buy-in. They're saying, yes, I'm willing to have this conversation. And it gives them a sense of autonomy. They weren't backed into a corner. They chose to be a part of this discussion, okay? Ask them for permission to chat. Number two, you state a fact that you have noticed, a fact. No opinions here. No catastrophizing or telling stories. You simply state what you have observed. It could be something like this. I noticed that most days you drop your book bag down on the floor as soon as you enter the door. Okay, it's just stating a fact. You're not accusing them of anything. You're not forming an opinion. You're not judging. You're simply stating a fact that they can't really argue with. It is a fact. Anyone who would observe this same situation would see the same thing. They walk in the door and they drop their book bag. Okay, number three, tell them how this impacts you. How does this impact you, affect you? So you could say, you know, I tripped over the bag coming down the stairs. And on other days, I've had to pick it up and move it. When you state how it affects you, if possible, try to eliminate strong emotions. Simply tell them how what they're doing is impacting you. Chances are they've not even realized that how they're, what they're doing, they're not thinking about how their actions are impacting other people. So ask for permission to talk to them, state a fact, and then tell them how that fact impacts you. The fourth thing, ask for permission to discuss a solution. So you may say something like, can we brainstorm some ideas to fix this in the future? Ask for their buy-in towards a different solution or action. So, or you could say something like, what are other things you could do with your backpack that you're willing to do on a regular basis? So you're going to, number one, ask for their permission. Number two, state a fact. Number three, tell them how this is impacting you. And number four, ask if you can discuss a different resolution for this. This strategy opens up conversation that isn't highly charged with emotion. It gets buy-in from both people, it helps them see the current consequences of their actions, and it opens up room for discussions and possible future solutions. So let's practice this a little bit. Let's see what it might look like in a, in a professional setting. So that was a parent and a child with a backpack. Okay, so uh, when I'm working with students, and let's just for this scenario say it's email or Zoom or mm -hmm. a method like that, I will send an email out and say, I would like to have 15 minutes of time, of your time, to discuss this lesson. Okay, so mm -hmm. I'm asking, inviting them, I'm giving them a time parameter so they know that they're not going to be listening to Professor Miller for hour upon hour rant and rave because I don't do that. Beautiful. Yep. Um, and then... Um, I simply state the facts. So mm -hmm. like for a teacher, it, it may be, you know, in higher ed with a rubric saying, okay, like this is what the expectations were. Mm -hmm. uh, and then moving on, they can, I mean, it's kind of hard if it's objective for them to argue with it, like right. you said. Uh, and then the impact, though, they often don't realize uh, because of their life experiences. Right. Like not knowing this does have an impact not just on you. It's not just a grade. It's going to impact, you know, it, a lot of other people. I see potential in you, and mm -hmm. it impacts me. It makes me feel bad when I see that you could be doing so much better if you would just follow these steps in the rubric. Mm -hmm. You would have a much better grade. Uh, you'd be happier with your grade. I'd be happier with your grade. You know, can we talk about, yeah. And did, did you notice how Dr. Rhoda framed that? You know, I see potential in you. I mean, that's the positive framing that needs to really happen. And then together, okay, mm -hmm. um, how can we work through this? 
what could I do differently on my part? And oftentimes when you do that, they are like, eh, well, yeah, I don't think they really could have done anything yeah. different really on just their me. part. I need to spend more time on this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that so true? I've had so many of my students say that when you know they'll say, well, there's really nothing the professor did wrong. I just need to, I just need to put in more time. Right? And sometimes in their heart, they really know that yeah. they just need someone to keep them accountable. And that's why this is so hard in our society. You know, in some ways, it's tough love. You want them to do better, but people don't want to have that uncomfortable conversation because of the unknowns. And the other side benefit that is just so beautiful is it also helps establish that internal locus of control. Mm-hmm. You know, what what do I bring to this? What can I do to make this situation? Instead of always thinking about other people and what they're not doing, what can I do? What's in my realm of influence? Which is just such a huge life lesson for all of us. Yeah, and so that's an excellent example in a classroom setting. If you're in a professional setting, you know, you have a colleague that's consistently late for work. She has to drop the kids off at school, and you feel bad for her harried mornings. You know, she's always coming in ragged and late, and but it's every morning. She's consistently showing up 20 to 30 minutes late every morning. So you decide it's time to have a conversation with her, okay? So could be as simple if we follow the four steps, ask them to have a conversation, state a fact, tell them how it impacts you, and ask if you can discuss possible resolutions. So that first step, may I chat with you about something I've noticed? Sure. This morning you were 20 minutes late for work. Yesterday you were 25 minutes late. Most mornings you're not here at 8.30. Okay, that's an observable fact. Pretty hard to argue with. Anybody could look at the clock and see she's not here. When you're late for work, I have to answer the phones. I have to greet our customers for the first part of morning. And at the same time, I'm also trying to do the work that I'm responsible for in the first part of the day. I'm not able to do both jobs well. My things are falling behind because we need to take care of our customers first. Would you be willing to talk about what we can do going forward so that we're both able to do our jobs beginning at 8.30 in the morning? And so I'm just smiling here because we're talking about uh, employees and work time. And parents, this applies to at home with what time your kids wake up and probably perhaps what time you wake up too. But generally speaking, yeah, I... I've got a couple kids that they see no reason at all why they need to be up before noon. I mean, they can do their homework when they want to do their homework. But what they don't realize, because of life experiences, is it does impact. And then it ties back to previous episodes about habits, structure, etc. So this is really, really good advice if you're a teacher, if you're an administrator, if you're a friend, if you're a parent, if you're a spouse. Absolutely. And it's not to say that this is a magic bullet. I wish there was a magic bullet. This side of heaven, there won't be. There may still be friction. There still may be conflict. Someone may still be defensive and not want to have this conversation. But it gives you the chance. It gives you the possibility to open the door for further communication. None of us like getting feedback that isn't positive, but sometimes it is necessary. And when it is necessary, research suggests that the simple formula, these four steps, are more likely to help people listen and more likely to be able to help you have a positive impact. So the next time you need to have a conversation with someone to let them know how what they are doing is impacting you, I'd encourage you to try this four-step process. Our goal in 5 to Thrive is to equip and support educators and parents as they help each child develop to his or her full God-given potential. So here are five takeaways on today's episode on giving feedback that is well-received. Number one, very, very important, ask for permission. Number two, Be very objective in your comments. Remove the emotion. Number three, share with them the impact that their actions are having on you. 
again, objectively. Number four, brainstorm solutions together. And number five, uh, model, 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 and model, and your kids and students will grow and learn. And I'm going to add number six in again. Sorry, Dr. Rhoda. Um, if you haven't had a chance, uh, I'll abbreviate it. If you go to the resource tab, there's a great link. Uh, Dr. Rhoda uh, wrote a chapter for uh, Women's Devotion that just was published. Thanks for taking the time to learn with us. Let us know how you're doing. If you have questions, challenges, or successes you want to share, please let us know through the comment section of our website. May your week be blessed.